From The Daily Northwestern, I'm Claire Proctor. And I'm Maya Reeder. Welcome to The Ripple, a bi-weekly podcast on the effects of state and national politics on the Evanston and Northwestern community. On this week's episode, we talk about the census, why it's important, important things you should know about it, and how Evanston is taking action to make sure everyone is counted. As the census has become a buzzword, particularly in the past couple of months, there's still often a lot of confusion around what the census actually is and does. The census is a constitutionally mandated count of everyone living in the United States that happens every 10 years on April 1st. That's National Census Day. The census matters for a lot of things. It helps determine representation in Congress. The House of Representatives allocations are determined based on the population counts we get from the census. Billions of dollars in federal funding are determined. That's everything from Pell Grants to infrastructure to schools and hospitals. That was Katie Daler a Weinberg Jr. and fellow at Northwestern Center for Civic Engagement. The Center for Civic Engagement is doing a lot of work in anticipation of the census, which begins sending out information in mid-March. We have started to convene a task force across the university with key players from like off-campus life, graduate student affairs, government relations, public relations, to try to unify the effort because there are a lot of people across the university who have key roles to play in the census, but it's important to have a unified effort. And one of the most exciting and really cool things that's going on is we're co-sponsoring a class that's being run out of SESPI with Professor Dan Lewis that's um, essentially a class about how to organize for the census. For students living on campus, responding to the census is out of their hands. The university sends in a list of who is living in the dorms and responds on behalf of those residents. But for off-campus students, things are a bit less straightforward. For one, we're college students. We're really busy. It's really easy to ignore a piece of mail. Additionally, college campuses, and especially students living off campus, have a really unique living situation, and that for most of us, that means living with roommates. That can get confusing. Is like, oh, who's the head of household? Do each of my roommates fill out the form individually, or like just one of us? The answer to that is the head of household can be whoever you want to be. It doesn't matter. And only one person from your living unit should fill out the form on behalf of everyone. With the primary elections going on, this can be especially confusing right now, because even if students are registered to vote in another state, they are still supposed to fill out the census in the place they're currently living, Evanston. In many cases, it's kind of the opposite of where people vote. The census is measuring where people are and how many, too, because, I mean, when you think of some of the things that that the federal government supports, transit whether it's public transportation, whether it's roads, there's that need to really count number of people in an area, not just exactly the individual. That was Sarah Flax, the city's housing and grants manager. At the city level, a lot of the focus is on getting information out to community groups and organizations and making them aware and comfortable with the census. We're working with a lot of our nonprofits that work with our potentially difficult to count or historically undercounted populations with flyers and other information that is targeting their needs for information and also their concerns. We have half-page flyer that is also telling people you're going to get 
a mailing inviting you know that asks you to go online and fill out the census because that's to get people to start watching for the census and on the back side it has the schedule of when they're going to get mailings approximately this is the first year that respondents can fill out the census online in addition to mailing in a physical response sheet or answering questions over the phone for those who are not comfortable responding online or for those who don't have access to the internet, the city will be setting up computers at libraries and certain community centers. Even though they can't actually enter people's personal data, trained staff will be available to help answer questions and navigate people to the census website. These pop-up computer locations also target undercounted populations. We're working with Connections for the Homeless to figure out if we can do a pop-up site whether it might be at a soup kitchen, whether it might be at a food pantry or something like that. Places where people are maybe already comfortable going. Another hot topic of discussion leading up to the census has been if it should be allowed to ask if a respondent is a U.S. citizen. The Trump administration pushed to have the question included this year, but the efforts ultimately failed and respondents will not be asked to indicate their citizenship status. Still, many immigrant populations are fearful of filling out the census. There is a lot of stuff going on um, in this country that has intimidated recent immigrants, people who have family members who um, may not have all the appropriate papers to be in the United States, that sort of thing. And there's great fear that that information could get to other parts of government. And it can't in the laws. It says that no personally identifiable information can be shared for 72 years. The Skokie Area Census Office is also currently hiring workers for the upcoming census. Marsha Cole, who was born and raised in Evanston and currently has a place in Rogers Park, worked for the census 10 years ago in Las Vegas. She plans to do so again this year. First of all, I'm an African-American, and African-Americans really don't like and understand the census that it's important for us to be counted. It will help enlighten our neighborhood and get us better services. For seniors, we're a group that are kind of thrown to the side except when it's voting time and then they want to talk to us. So I'd like to make sure we get counted. We have a lot to say. And I'd also like to see the homeless who are under the viaducts, in the alleys, sleeping in their cars, get counted. Because if they're counted, then the need to help and get affordable housing for the homeless will help them. Cole works to make community members aware that they don't need to be afraid to be counted by the census, especially the homeless population. People kind of stay away from them because how they look, and that sometimes they smell not in the best way. But I want to be able to walk up on them and talk to them and make them feel comfortable and let them know that they are a person and they're important too. And I try to tell people that in the blink of the eye or in a bad situation, they too can become homeless. An illness can make them homeless. A divorce could make them homeless. There's all kinds of situations that put people in a position where in a blink of an eye, that could be them too. A grassroots approach is central to collecting data for the census, which will take place over the course of about four months. Camille Shalevich, a partnership specialist with the U.S. Census Bureau, works to bridge communities together with census workers to create a more effective count. 
Local partners matter because it's very important to have uh, number one trusted voices, people that are known and trusted in a certain community. The other message that we're sending relates to localizing the message because sometimes people are not aware how the response can affect their community because they're under the impression that the response won't matter. So we have a number of flyers that we're sharing with people and they're kind of picking a couple of bullet points from those flyers and they're localizing the message. Establishing these trusted voices comes through targeted initiatives through these local partnerships. But sometimes people are skeptical or there is a fear factor uh, that's, that's involved. So if we are able to get uh, certain people on board, like executive directors of certain organizations, and they know the people that come to their places, use their services, and they talk to those people, people are more likely to listen to them. And same thing applies to faith-based leaders. So we have a faith-based uh, initiative as well in place. And in addition to that, we're working with schools, principals, and superintendents. Evanston's response rate to the 2010 census was relatively high, with every census tracked above 73 percent. But with the new variable of having online responses as an option, city planner Cade Sterling said the effects this will have is unclear. Theoretically, it should improve response rates because you're just adding a medium for response. You're not taking away what already existed, it just those happen later. Oftentimes, day-to-day barriers get in the way of people filling out the census, something the city is hoping to work around this year. I mean, it can be anything from as easy as these populations are working two, three jobs sometimes. They don't have the time to respond. They might not understand the benefit. Um, They might be distrustful of government or distrustful of what the data will be used for. I think that's pretty prevalent. But many people who recognize the importance of the census are taking matters into their own hands and getting involved, like Arnita Musin, who's from Lake Villa, Illinois, and hoping to work for the U.S. Census Bureau. In order for a society to function, everyone needs to be accounted for and everyone needs to be helped because everyone needs help sometimes. And I think sometimes certain groups are overlooked and they need to let it be known what what, what it is that they need in order to be productive people in society. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of The Ripple. This episode was reported and produced by me, Claire Proctor, and Maya Reeder. It was edited by Callan Luciano and Hina Shravastava. The editor-in-chief of The Daily Northwestern is Troy Claussen.